Good morning to all those who might be listening on the radio and to you here in front of me. There was once a young minister full of energy and enthusiasm for the Lord. And one day he had to visit an elderly church member who was in the ICU in the hospital. The older gentleman was critically ill and his family was worried about his relationship with the Lord. The young minister entered the ICU room and saw the older man in bed with a host of tubes and monitors and wires attached to and coming out of his body. And immediately the young minister strode to the bedside, took the older man's hand, and tried to encourage him that the Lord was near and that the Lord loved him. Soon the older man began to wave his arms as if he felt strongly about something. Well, this encouraged the young minister as he assumed that the older man was struggling to give his heart to the Lord. And so he exhorted the older man more and more enthusiastically, yes, brother, give your heart to the Lord. Yes, brother, he loves you as you are. Finally, the minister prayed a rather lengthy prayer. And no sooner had he said amen that he opened his eyes just in time to see the older man motioning for a pad of paper and a pen by the side of the bed. He handed it to the older man and the, quickly the man wrote something handed it back to the minister. Just as he handed it back to the minister, he turned his head and died. The minister was deeply moved to think that his visit had occurred in the nick of time and that the man was finally giving his life to the Lord. So the young minister looked at the pad of paper and read the words that the old man had written on the pad where it said, you are standing on my oxygen tube. Many times, the line between life and death is very fine, and it, it is hard to tell one from the other. Life and death are brothers, we might say, or at least cousins, or certainly they are neighbors. They know each other well. Daily people go from life to death. And only a few times we know of people going from death to life. For example, uh, Moses, Lazarus, Jesus himself, the men that were resurrected after the resurrection. That would be much more of a tale to tell those who are resurrected from the dead. So as we continue our walk through the Word for 2018, reading through the Bible, in the, in, by the end of the year you will have read the entire Bible, this is the last week on the Old Testament. It's Ezekiel, the third week in Ezekiel. It's a, it's a heavy book. It's a strong book. And I will tell you that I am glad to be moving into the New Testament. But we're going to look at the end of Ezekiel at a profound prophecy that my young friend August read about. I liked how she made you stand. A lot of churches you stand up for the reading of God's Word. And I think that shows a lot of respect. You know, we're all worried about standing for the Pledge of Allegiance. 
What about standing, or not the Pledge of Allegiance, the National Anthem? How about standing for the reading of God's Word? I'm in favor of it if you are. So now we can look around at each other and judge who's doing it or not doing it. One more thing to judge each other about, as if we needed more. So we come to the end of Ezekiel, and Ezekiel for the first 20 or 30 chapters, very heavy book. Ezekiel has been called by God to prophesy and talk about the judgment that will come upon Judah, the judgment that will come upon Jerusalem, and how the city of Jerusalem itself will be destroyed. And suddenly in the last part of the book, it turns to these beautiful promises of God. I don't know why it's written like that, but it is written like that. Ezekiel was one of the major prophets, along with Jeremiah, Daniel, uh, Isaiah. Came from Israel, now living in Babylon. He's he's in exile. Uh, Jeremiah wrote from Jerusalem in exile, but Ezekiel was one of the people who was taken away. And he had prophesied and announced judgment against Israel. He had done what called, my goodness, help me with my my mouth today. He had done what God called him to do. He had written on the clay tablet about the destruction of Jerusalem. He had laid on his left side, as my friend Peter showed you so brilliantly. He had laid on his right side, as Peter demonstrated. He had shaved his head and taken off his beard when God told him to. When his wife died and God said, I don't want you to mourn for her because that will represent Israel not mourning over my loss. He, he did not mourn even for the, the loss of his own wife. He had been obedient to God, sharing these solemn prophecies. But in the passage of Scripture today, we find the more merciful the more precious, the more gracious side of God, which is always easier to read. And one of the more beautiful passages of Scripture is in Ezekiel 36, where he says, God says to Ezekiel, Therefore, say to the Israelites, this is what the Sovereign Lord says, It is not for your sake, people of Israel, that I am going to do these things, but for the sake of my own holy name which you have profaned among the nations where you have gone. I will show the holiness of my great name, which you have profaned among the nations, the name you have profaned among them. Said that three times. You have profaned me, but I'm going to do these things because of my name, Israel. I want my name, God says, to be glorified. I am holy, and I want to be known to be holy among all the people. So I'm going to do these things for you, even though you have profaned my name. So he says, I will take you out of the nations. I will gather you from all the countries and bring you back into your own land. I will sprinkle clean water on you and you will be clean. I will cleanse you from all your impurities and from all your idols. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. Oh, Lord, have mercy. Don't we need that today? And I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. Then you will live in the land I give your ancestors. You will be my people and I will be your God. You see, that's 
at the second coming. That's God's objective, is to not have us obey rules from the outside. Moses had the tablets, the Ten Commandments on two tablets outside of people. But God says this is what is commonly called the New Covenant, but it's really a renewed covenant. He goes, I don't want to put the law outside of you on tablets or on the wall or on a rock outside a courthouse. That's not my goal is to have the law outside of you. I want to write that law on your heart so that you are motivated by the internal moving of the Holy Spirit. That's like heaven. You don't need laws when you do things out of a pure motivation. If you think about it, laws are designed for those people who want to break laws. And if people didn't want to break the law, they wouldn't make the law in the first place. And laws and rules are usually designed for the least common denominator in people. So when we look at the Ten Commandments, that's not all God asks of us. That's the bare minimum. But what He really wants is to do a little heart surgery. You see, God was the first doctor. And he wants to remove that heart of stone and replace it with the heart of flesh. See, God's in the revival business. God's in the resurrection business. God's in the restoration business. God's in the reanimation business. So out of grace and mercy and for the sake of his own name, he says he will redeem Israel. And by reading this, it, it, it reminds me that he's not just talking about the country of Israel because they will never be back in that land again. He says, I will give you back your land and I will be your God and you will be my people. That's from Revelation as well. He's talking about the coming together of all of God's people when we will have no longer need of the Son because the Lord will be our light. And His Word... His Spirit will be inside of us and His law will be written upon our very hearts. So turn to Ezekiel 37. Reading again what some of my friend August read. Ezekiel 37, 1-10. I'm going to read a little bit of that, a little bit more. Is it okay if I read my Bible in church? Ezekiel 37, The hand of the Lord was upon me and He brought me out in the Spirit of the Lord and He set me down in the middle of the valley and it was full of bones. And he led me around among them, and behold, there were very many on the surface of the valley, and behold, they were very dry. That means very dead. And he said to me, Son of man, can these bones live? And I answered, O Lord God, you know, meaning you're the only one that knows. Then he said to me, prophesy over these bones and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God to these bones. So now he's speaking to the bones on behalf of God. He's speaking to dead things. And he says, Behold, I will cause breath to enter you and you shall live. And I will lay sinews upon you and will cause flesh to come upon you and cover you with skin and put breath in you and you shall live. And you shall know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded. And as I prophesied, there was a sound. And behold, a rattling. And the bones came together, bone to its bone. And I looked, and behold, there were sinews on them, and flesh had come upon them, and skin had covered them, but there was no breath in them. Then he said to me, prophesy to the breath. Prophesy, son of man, and say to the breath, thus says the Lord God, 
Come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe on these slain that they may live. So I prophesied as he had commanded me. The breath came into them and they stood and they lived and stood on their feet an exceedingly great army. That's a powerful illustration. See, prophets usually receive things from the Lord by two ways. One is visions, which would be when they are awake, and the other would be dreams, which would be when they are asleep. And he says to prophesy, so he saw these visions, and in these visions they take them to incredible places and incredible scenes. Ezekiel is told to prophesy over 35 times in the book, more than any other book of the Bible. And so to prophesy means to to speak under the influence of the Spirit, to speak or sometimes to sing by inspiration. God fills the prophet, and the prophet speaks what the Lord tells him or her. So that would be another way, you know, I'm sure none of you have had this experience, but when you drive and you get pulled over by the cops, you can get stopped for a DUI. Now I'm sure nobody here's ever had that experience. Driving under the influence. But many times we can speak under the influence of the Holy Spirit. And that might be a kind of driving under the influence that I wouldn't mind getting arrested for. But I'm not sure if the police officer would appreciate that when he pulled me over and I said, I am under the influence. But it's not under the influence of alcohol. It's under the influence of the Holy Spirit. You think he'd like that? I'll tell you what. You guys try that first. (laughs) Tell me. And then I'll try it if it worked well for you. Oh, I'm not drunk, officer, but I am under the influence. You want to come out and walk along this straight line? Through this breathalyzer. Not that I've ever had that experience. Actually, I have not. So this is a stunning vision that God gives Ezekiel. He has this vision of the living God. They were in captivity, far from home, and yet in the midst of this anguish, God sends his prophet Ezekiel to a valley of dry bones after first giving him a vision of his glory. And in this valley of bones, God asks him a question. He says, Son of man, can these bones live? So he says to Ezekiel, look at this. These are mighty dead things. Do you think there's any life in there? And Ezekiel gives a a very respectful answer. It sounds kind of odd in English, but he says, O Lord God, you know. And and the way August read it, her translation said, O Lord God, only you know. And that's more the, the idea. Like, I have no idea, but Lord, you know. Can these bones, I mean, how could they possibly live? They're dead. They're lying there. They're dry bones. Obviously, what it would take to make those bones live is a little resurrection power. Obviously, what it would take is a little Easter Sunday, but to happen in a valley of dry bones way back then. And I would certainly think that if God created, God can recreate. Why would that be any big deal for God to take some bones and make them come alive again? If He can speak and the world comes to be, if he can command and it, st- and it stands steadfast, if Jesus can stand up out of a boat and said, peace be still, 
and the water calms down? When Jesus stood in front of the tomb of Lazarus, I'm thankful that he said, Lazarus, come forth. Because if he had just said, come forth, every dead thing around there might have come forth. I got that from Lou Venden. He said that one time at, a, at seminary. I thought, that's good. I'm going to remember that. So Lazarus, just you. Just this one time you. Lazarus, that guy, you. You come forth. You see, because that shows the omnipotence, the all-powerful, the potent God that we serve. And this vision of life coming to those who have been dead, those whose skin has long since rotted, leaving nothing but bones, shows the promises and the potential and the power of God to bring life out of something that is dead whether it is a marriage, or a church, or a relationship, or your health, or dry literal bones lying in a dry literal valley. God is in the resurrection business. You see, what has always created humans' downfall is sin. The wages of sin are death, or is death, Romans 6.23 says, that's what we earn, that's what we deserve. We deserve sin, and the wages of sin are death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. So for resurrection to take place, it involves a gracious God stepping into a life and taking that person by the hand and breathing life back into them. You can't get it on your own. You can't be so good that all at once you're in charge of your own future and your own destiny. See, dead people do nothing but lie there dead. You know, there's a verse in the Bible that says that the dead know nothing in Ecclesiastes. But I could also, would like there to be a verse that says that the dead do nothing. They just lie there. They're dead. That's why whenever people get upset to me that there's kids that are noisy in the church, I'd say I'd much rather have noisy kids in the church than the sound of deadness. All my little kids now should be saying, that's right, Pastor, thank you, I love you. You're the best, you're the best one that ever lived. Give me your money, give me your money. I'm accepting donations. So you know the Statue of Liberty says, bring to me your tired and your poor. I say to you, bring me your noisy kids, bring me your dirty diapers. Well, not to me personally, but bring me your kids. Bring your kids, bring your neighbors, bring those who don't know how to behave in church because that's why we want them here. You can keep the dirty diapers. Did my share of that. And I like this passage because it says, the hand of the Lord was upon me. That's powerful. The hand of the Lord was upon me. And when God touched me, I did things in His name. And I did things through His command, and I did things through His grace. Wouldn't that be something if we could all honestly say, and may that be our prayer, Lord, may your hand be upon me. Because when your hand was upon Ezekiel, he did great things in your name. He brought dead things back to life, not on his own, but because your hand was upon him. So God says, can these bones live? And, and Ezekiel says, I can't do it. Only you can, God. So he, he surveys the scene. He showed awareness that only God can do it, that he is helpless in the face 
of death. Was there potential in these bones? Not humanly speaking, there's no potential. They are dead. Jesus said, for all things are possible through God. In his strength we can do all things, but you on your own cannot make dead bones live. So in verse 4, God says to him, prophesy over these bones and say, O dead bones, hear the word of the Lord. So the first thing that draws us back to life is to hear the word of the Lord. That might be through the Bible, that might be through each other, that might be through the Holy Spirit speaking to you, it might be through seeing Jesus yourself. But life comes when you hear the word of the Lord. That's the first part of adding life to the dry bones, is to encounter the living word of God. That's why I make note of saying, read your Bible. Reading your Bible, it's not a, it's not a lamp, He's, there's not a genie in there, but that's one way that you can encounter God himself. And then God said to these bones, behold, I will cause breath to enter you so that you may come to life. So, the, so forming, first they put the muscles and everything on them, but then it's the breath that makes them come alive. So this word breath is also later translated wind or spirit. And I wish it was the same word from Genesis 2 where God formed Adam and breathed breath into him. It's no big deal. I don't think that it's not the exact same word. There's really two words for breath, and one uses one, and one uses the other. And I don't know why I'm telling you this, because it's not a big deal. But I really wish it was the same word, because in Genesis 2, it says that God formed down, uh, help me, God bent down, and he formed Adam out of dirt, which is sort of the equivalent of dry bones. And he took something physical, dirt, or in this case, dry bones, and then God breathed into those bones. And they came alive. So there's two parts that make up a life on this earth. One is a physical presence, a a physical body, bones, dirt, something. There has to be a physical body to have life. And then there has to be the breath of God that only God can give. To have life. Now, some of you might be doctors or medical people, and you've stood over dead bodies, and you've done CPR, and you've administered epinephrine or these other things that help people, or your respiratory therapist breathing life, but you can't give back life. Only God gives life. So, so he says, prophesy over these bones, and he says, I saw that sinews, I like that word, it reminds me of the, song, the poem, The Village Smithy because he said he was a very sinewy man. Read it, the village smithy. Because there's sinews and muscles and skin, but it still wasn't alive because it needed the breath. It was when the breath came in them that they actually had life. And along the way, it says that there was this noise. There was a clattering. So I thought about that. In the church, or in a person's life, is there this clattering? Is there there this noise as they come back to life? And sometimes there is. Things are happening, they're upsetting things, they're doing things different now, or, or they're not sure what they believe, or what they're doing, or they keep going back to their old ways. There's this clattering. Sometimes as people are coming back to life. So I I thought that was interesting in there. There was a clattering as all the bones took their form. And as he prophesied, these bones came together and he saw the bones become skeletons. They took on sinews and muscles and then they were clothed with skin. They looked alive, but 
but they were dead because they had no breath. So there's activity and there can be commotion. The flesh can be active, but true revival cannot take place without the Spirit of God. So there's all this movement. He says, now we got to get some, some life. So prophesy to the breath. Prophesy, son of man, and say to the breath, thus says the Lord God, come from the four winds. That means all the world is open to the promises of God. It's not related to one religion or one denomination. Anybody can approach God. From the four winds, let this breath come. And breathe on these slain people. Breathe on these people that are dead in their sins. Bring life back to them. So Ezekiel prophesied as he was commanded. And the breath came into them. And they came to life and they stood on their feet an exceedingly great army so god commanded this graveyard of lifeless bodies to come to life when the divine breath entered them god turned a valley of dry bones into a living army such as the power of the word of god and the spirit of god such as the power of the word of god and the spirit of god can I get an amen? Can this side say amen? Can this center say amen? Can this side say amen? I just want to make sure you're not a valley of dry bones, you see. Because I see the flesh and blood, and I hear some rattling. Of course, that just might be the children's toys or somebody's jewelry or something. But I want to see and see the Spirit moving amongst us. Not just here today. I'm not asking you to run in the aisles or something. But I want to see the Spirit moving. When I hear stories like Andrea about how God touched her, and not only that God touched her, but she wants to share that. You see, that's the Spirit moving. When I see young people like August be willing to get up front and stand in front of you and read, that's the Spirit moving. When I see Mrs. Martinez talking about 86 students over at the school, and I see this church giving thousands of dollars to that school because we care, that's the Spirit moving. When I see you watching what you eat, and I see you watching what you exercise and how you exercise to live a healthy life in this world, that's the Spirit moving. I was in the emergency room one time as a chaplain. I was at Celebration down in Orlando over near Disney, and we got all kinds of people coming through because we got all the resorts and all the parks. We had their emergency room. We were where they came. And there was this, I guess I got to tell this story since I started telling it. There was this guy who ended up dying and he was big and heavy and he's laying there and they're doing CPR on the guy. And I'm standing there as a chaplain and the room's full of nurses and doctors and everything. And they don't know who the guy is. They found him on the street. So they hand me his wallet and they say, see if you can find out who this guy is. So I open his wallet, and I notice that he's born in the exact same year as me. And I look at him, and, he, and I'm saying to myself, I don't look that bad. So it told me, I don't know anything about the guy, but I'm saying to myself, he made choices over the course of his life that affected his health. And I remember thinking that night, I don't want to end up laying here on a gurney in an emergency room where nobody knows who I am, giving me CPR. I would rather make choices here, guided by the Spirit and by the rules of health and the laws of health and, 
using my own brain to be as healthy as I can here so that that day is put off as far away as it can be. And I know what you're saying. You're saying, preacher, well, don't you, don't you trust in the Lord and don't you have that blessed assurance? I have no problem with death. It's the dying part I don't want to go through. I'll put my hands, my life in the hands of Christ. That dying part I can do without. You guys with me? I'm, just, I'm, I'm off my notes, obviously. I've wandered into the desert. Help me come back to the living water. <laughs> Thank you, Stella. So I will, I will wrap it up with this. I will sing his praises. Oh, the life-giving power of God to look at a valley of dead bones and see potential in them and say to Ezekiel, this is the people of Israel. This is my people. This are the pe these are the people I care about. And they're dead. Without the Spirit, they are dead. So what I want you to know as you are in exile, Ezekiel, is that I have a plan for my people. And my people need me. They need my spirit. And if my people get my spirit, then they can have life. So even as Ezekiel stood in that valley of dead bones over 2,500 years ago, there are still dry, lifeless bones around here today waiting for someone to prophesy life into them. And these bones will only come alive when they hear a voice saying to them some truth. So these bones will only come to be what they need to be if someone will just listen to God long enough to speak hope into a generation that has lost hope. Someone to speak healing into the life of those who are afflicted. Someone to speak deliverance into the life of those who need to be set free. And someone who will speak life into those who are spiritually dead. So I say to you today, come alive in the Spirit of God. There's a song, I want you to watch this video. It says, we cry out to dry bones to come alive. We cry out to dead hearts to come alive. Up out of the, up out of the ashes, let us see an army rise. As we cry out to dead bones to come alive. Watch this video. You will never believe in God until you experience that resurrection power for yourself. You can come to church, you can go to church schools, you can read books, and those are all great things. But until you experience the life-giving, breath-filling power, resurrection power of Christ, you will never know what it's like to come alive. So that's our task, is to come alive in Christ, to be filled with His Spirit, to walk in His grace. So may the, the story of Ezekiel 37 remind you that no matter how dry you are, no matter how dead you feel, there is hope in Christ. There is resurrection power in the resurrected Christ. I believe in the cross of Christ, but without the resurrection, He would have just been another crucified prophet. So may you go forth in the resurrection power of Christ. May you serve him. May you be strong. May you be courageous. May you not just be rattling around, but may you be a life-giving, life-changing representative of him today. Let's stand and have prayer.
Our Father in heaven, I thank you for the, in the name of Christ for his resurrection. And because he was resurrected, we can then claim this resurrection power for ourselves. May we not just be rattling bones, but may we be spirit-filled. May we be full of grace and mercy. May we be used by you to do your bidding. And then we may know that you are the Lord who has called us. So thank you for the prophecies of Ezekiel. And we thank you, Lord, that you love us and you provide us these graces. Bless my church family that we might serve you and serve one another and have hearts filled with your tenderness in your spirit and eyes to see like you see. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.